appreciate that. And uh, we're going to continue here tonight uh, looking at uh, the book of First Timothy, First Timothy chapter 2 this evening. If you'd like to turn there, please. First Timothy chapter 2. And um, left off last time just speaking here, the beginning a couple of uh, verses in chapter 2, just speaking about the priority of prayer in the church, and as we consider authentic church, that really prayer ought to be a predominant part of, of our practice, our behavior. And then he goes on and, and really uh, he exhorts specifically the men in verse 8. He says in verse 8, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting how really men ought to be known uh, for their prayer life. If there's anything that that we are to be known for, it was to be that. And so he goes on and look at verses uh, verses 9 to 15, and and I think tonight we'll we'll probably mainly cover verses 9 and 10. Let's read down to the end of the chapter regardless. In like manner also, and, and so he's dealt with the men about their prayer, It says, in like manner also, that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we come before you and thank you, dear God, for, Lord, just this wonderful, wonderful book, the Bible. Thank you, dear Lord, that in it contains all of the things of life and godliness that, Lord, you give us and you instruct us uh, about all, all of life and, and how we ought to be. And specifically, Lord, as we consider how we ought to be as a church in, in our authenticity, I pray that you would help us to, Lord, align ourselves not to, uh, not to the opinions of man, but to the, the clear teachings of the Word of God. And I pray that you'd help us uh, even tonight as we Speak about these important, um, uh, important truths as revealed in your word through these verses. I ask that you'd help us to put away, uh, Lord, our own, um, our own mind about it, Lord, but Lord, uh, open up our minds to the things of you and what you're going to teach us this evening. And Lord, I pray that you just be glorified in it. Uh, Lord, that's, that's all we seek, Lord, as we live day to day, as we get together and gather as a church, that we might please you in all things. And so we pray and ask these things in Christ's most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. And uh, we're going we're gonna to look at here um, now the, the, uh, these passages that, uh, this passage that in our day and age really um, can be deemed as controversial, uh, can even be misconstrued. And here the Apostle Paul has just dealt with, with the church in their uh, prayer life. He's, gonna, he's dealt with the men about that being 
a hallmark of, of their character, of what they're known for in the church. And then he's going to say this in verse 9, in like manner also. And he's going to lay out some, some governance really that's given uh, to be practiced in the local church in regard to, uh, to women. And he's going to pattern these for us in Scripture. And, and what we're going to we'll see is the, is, is the priorities for women and how it's modeled here. And, and you know, um, let's not neglect the fact that as part of the church body, women play a, a vital role in the life of the church. Um, ladies are made to, uh, to complement and complete uh, the man. And, and, you know, if you think about it, for those of you men who are married, ever wonder how God has designed your wife uh, to have strengths where your weaknesses are? How, how, as you observe and you grow together in your your walk with one another and your walk with God, you start to recognize that there's a, there's a complementary nature in your relationship, that, that somehow she fills in all of your weaknesses, all of those things that you, uh, you are weak in, that you might even struggle in. And somehow God just, just knew that and, and crafted that. And that, that really is His design in marriage. That's His design from the beginning when He recognized that it's not good for man to be alone and so he, he uh, made Eve, who was a, a help meet or fitting for him. And, and so it's part of God's grand design. So we're going to look at that. And, and really in the life of the church, that is also true. Um, women play a, a great role in the church. And, and they add uh, certain aspects to the church that so often uh, men have, uh, have not in store. And, you know, Paul, it was in the habit often as he, he wrote letters to different churches, to different individuals in the, in the New Testament, uh, Paul often had the habit of highlighting ladies who were part of the early church. There was Priscilla, there was Lydia, there was Phoebe, uh, there was all of these that, uh, and we're going to see later on, he termed as, as fellow laborers in the gospel, as he termed as servants in the church. And, and there was no doubt, and there is no doubt still today, that ladies have a part to play in the local church that makes a whole lot of difference. And, um, and so Paul finds it important then to address the priorities that, that, uh, that women, um, women have. And, you know, when women in the church, um, what women in the church should be known for specifically. You know, as, as, as he mentioned to the men, he said, in like manner also, he said, as, as much as the men are to be known for this, ladies, you should be known for this. This should be the, the behavior that, that, is, that is to be evident in your life. And so tonight, um, tonight really, as we consider the, these, especially these two verses, uh, I want our ladies to pay attention. And not because it's me speaking, but we're, we're going to examine the Word of God together. Uh, but then also by extension, as we, as we men have, have the, the privilege and the, the responsibility to lead in our homes and to lead well in our homes, that we might know how to lead also, that we might lay out biblical expectations for those ladies that God has blessed us with. All right, so, so we see firstly here in verses 9 and 10, uh, in like manner also. So, so in the same way that men are to be known for their, their spiritual life, their prayer, their praise, in all of that, he says, in like manner also that women 
adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array. But then he says in verse 10, but as he continues the thought, which becometh women professing godliness. So he's focusing here on the characteristic of, of godly women. And really what we'll say here is we're going to see firstly in, in the priorities for women, the, the piety of women. The, the godliness that they are to display, how that is meant to be displayed in their lives. And, and so he's saying in like manner also, as, as much as men ought to pray and be holy and praise and worship the priorities of the men, then women ought to prioritize some of these following. And, and we see here firstly in verse 9, he addresses something that I think somewhat, uh, somewhat we, we, uh, we can can sensationalize and make it a, a hot uh, button issue. And, and here he, he addresses in verse, um, verse 9, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel. And there it's interesting, isn't it, as he, as he begins a comparison, that he's going to begin a comparison in regard to a women's apparel or clothing. And, and let me just say from the outset, I do believe that God finds importance, ladies, in what you wear. I do believe that, that we can't just look at this and then, and then conclude from what we read here that we can just be blasé and just wear anything we want. But can I just remind you, and really this is all for us, can I just remind you tonight, ladies, and, and really men, that these, these bodies that God has given us, He's given us so that we might glorify Him with it. And so by extension and, and in thinking about that, included in that is, is how we present ourselves. But, but I also, uh, as we begin to address this, don't want to boil it down like some have boiled it down, like it's just an issue between skirts and pants. Because it's more than that. And I'm going to show you that. Because you, you could have all of those things that, that you know, you, you've, you've probably been around long enough, some of you, to have heard some craziness about this. You, you know, like, like if you don't wear a skirt, all the time, that somehow that, that's the measure of your godliness. Like as if that's all God looks at. And, and really, they're just taking a little snippet and, and jumping to a very, very high conclusions about that. And I, I don't want to dwell on that tonight, but I will dwell on it a little bit. Uh, sometimes it's boiled down to, to strict standards. And, and you know, you could, you could draw the line at, at any at any point here, you could say, you know, only skirts right down to the ankles. But then how about those ladies who, uh, who are even here tonight who only wear skirts just below the knee? And, and then you could, uh, you, could, you could keep going on and on about that. And, and really, he's speaking about here modest apparel, and we're going to define that. But then he goes on and he says, in regard to your clothing, he says here in verse 9, with shamefacedness and sobriety, but then he goes on, not with broidered hair, or gold, or pearls, or costly array. And now you're, there's, a, there's this, sometimes there's this thinking that, that beyond that, you know, you ought not to wear any jewelry, that, that somehow you can't be attractive. Um, and, and even those who, uh, who go beyond that and say, you know, makeup then must be wrong. And you, you go along that line, and then suddenly, you know, you have these cra this, this craziness where, where missionaries get surveys asking about what, what, uh, what uh, the, the wife wears in bed. 
like that's anyone's business. And, and really, they draw a conclusion from that, from this little part of the verse. And, and you know, tonight, there's probably going to be some of you that are going to look at me and disagree. There's going to be some of you already, you've cut me off, and you're, you're already labeling me tonight. But I just want to go to the Word of God. And I want to define some things here for you. And, and, and you know, um, men, sometimes we... Sometimes this whole thing of modest apparel is taught this way. Like, like ladies, you know, you shouldn't wear anything that might cause a man to lust. Like that's your responsibility, ladies. And somewhat I understand that, that men, listen, men are drawn by the eyes, by what we see. The Bible's clear in that. But listen, can I just tell you men, it is your responsibility to stay pure. Uh, the Bible tells us unto the pure... All things are pure. This isn't a get-out clause for you to just walk around and however a woman is dressed and however modest or immodest she may be to you, then, then excuse yourself to last after that woman. That is your issue. That is not that woman's issue. And you better understand that. And this isn't a get-out clause for you men tonight. This isn't just for us to, to go, oh, that woman, she's, she's trapped me again. Listen, you better take care of your own desires. You better be subjected to the Spirit of God before you go on and on and blame the other sex about your uncontrolled spirit. And I just want to say that from the outset, that this isn't going to be taught that way. It's not going to be taught that way because I don't believe the Bible teaches us that way. And unto the pure, all things are pure. And ladies, tonight, I don't want you to panic Okay, this doesn't mean you can never buy anything new or attractive. This doesn't mean that you, that you can never have any jewelry. Look, look at, look at uh, God's attitude in Psalm chapter 45. Look at Psalm chapter 45. And notice verses, uh, verses 13 to 14. It says, The king's daughter is all glorious within her clothing is of wrought gold. Uh, she shall be brought unto the king in raiment of needlework. The virgins, her companions that follow her, shall be brought unto thee. And, and notice the, the wording there is, as we think about tonight. You, you know, you ladies, don't forget that you are a daughter of the king. And he's, he's saying these things about uh, these things in a positive light. And he, you know, if Jesus puts his bride in eye-catching and attractive clothing, expensive garments with jewels, then surely a woman isn't forbidden these. And so we're going to examine instead the verse so we can understand its context and make proper application. So go back. Go back to 1 Timothy chapter 2. And we're just going to define. Okay, we're going to define some words as we, as we read them. All right, look at, uh, look at 1 Timothy chapter 2. Look at verse 9. In like manner also that women, notice this, adorn. That word adorn simply means this, to arrange or to put in order. It's literally a harmonious arrangement of things. Then, then he says there, he says that adorn, that we might put on those things that are, are, are well arranged. Adorn themselves, notice the next word is modest. That word modest simply means this, appropriately arranged. All right, not bold or presumptuous, not boastful or excessive or extravagant. And, and, and I think we understand that there's a, uh, right from the beginning, God is, issues uh, a, a mandate for there to be a covering. And we understand that, that we ought not to 
uh, when we're properly arranging something, there, there ought to be things that we don't reveal and things that we ought to cover up. That was always God's standard for clothing, is that we would be covered up. But, but He's saying there, modest is this, is that we would be appropriately arranged, not, not boastful or excessive or extravagant. And then He says, modest apparel. Okay, apparel is, is a flowing outer uh, garment worn by nobility. It, it was appropriate for the occasion. And, and if you put it in the context of where Timothy was ministering, Ephesus was really a city of excesses. And it was to this end that Paul instructs the women. They were not to follow the excesses of the world and make a show of themselves in their clothing and their appearance. Uh, there was uh, to be about them uh, being properly dressed for the occasion so not to distract from their character. And, and sometimes we, we can overly uh, emphasize that. And, and sometimes we, we can look at that and, and say, look, we have liberty, then therefore we can just wear whatever we want. But listen, uh, we need to be under the, the, the control of the Holy Spirit, ladies. And sometimes I'm afraid... I'm afraid that we, we consult the, the shopping center more than the Spirit of God about what we're meant to be wearing. But then also we can go on the overbalance and be uh, so out of date that you're making a show of yourself as well. That you're, you're so out of date with, with, with how women are to look today that you stand out as well. So, so there's a, there needs to be a balance either way. And, and that's really what the, the Bible is speaking about. Be appropriate. Be appropriate for the occasion. Uh, be properly arranged in what you're wearing so as not to distract and, and take away from the thing that God wants emphasized. And, and he says the same thing. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. And notice uh, verses 3 and 4. And, and actually, looks, let's begin in verse, verse 1. 1 Peter chapter 3, look at verse 1. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation, coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel. But notice his emphasis. But let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, of great price. He says it's of great value. And he's saying there that, that, you know, uh, that the emphasis ought not to be on the, uh, on the outward adorning. And, and what ought to be noticed about Christian women in their Christ-likeness is not their fashion. See, the Bible tells us not to be fashioning ourselves according to the formal lusts. And it ought to be our Christ-likeness, not your fashion. And the Bible is teaching here that Christian women ought to be more concerned about showing forth the inward graces of Christ than showing forth her external beauty. And the thought here is that Christian ladies ought to care more about how they live, not how they look. And I wonder if we were, to, we were to look at that. And I know, ladies, it takes a bit of time, and you like to take your time in the morning. But I wonder, do you take your time in the morning to come before a holy God 
and spend the time with Him and let Him examine you more than you take the time to be in front of that mirror and to get ready for the day. I wonder if we take the time and to, to consult God about how we are to please Him. And, and I'm, not, I'm not advocating here. I, I believe that as we consider that definition of modest, that, that we ought to be appropriate in, in, the, in the clothing that we wear and, and that we ought to go and we ought to be mindful and not consulting the world around us, but consulting the Spirit of God. See, the thought here is that Christian ladies ought to care more about how they live, not how they look. And tonight, I don't want to just be stuck here. I don't want to dwell here for now. Suffice it to say that this wasn't an edict of really how long skirt needs to be or if women could wear pants or not. It was simply an emphasis on her being suitable and appropriate so as to enhance her inner beauty, not her outward vanity. And I think Paul had wisdom in not going into specifics. More than that, God didn't give him specifics. It's simply, he gave principles of which the women were to discern how to best be modest in their appearance. All right? And, and so he goes no further there, and he moves on to the second part. And so we see there, firstly, in, our, in Ladies in Your Piety, there needs to be some suitability. But then secondly, notice verse 9. Verse 9, again, in like manner also, and he says, adorn themselves in modest apparel. But then second part, with shamefacedness and sobriety. And what this is really speaking about is self-control. Those two words really mean self-control, with shamefacedness and sobriety. Shamefacedness simply is this, an attitude of modesty. It means to blush. It means to, speaking of innocence of mind. And then sobriety is this, the quality of being staid or solemn. To, to have an air of respectability, to be in control of one's passions. That's sobriety. And, and this, this speaks of a Christian lady's attitude and behavior and the control she has over her own emotions and passions. See, in stark contrast to the frivolous and aggressive nature that women are being encouraged to have, Paul is issuing the right attitude and countenance that pious or godly women ought to have. They ought to demonstrate self-control. And I think about the verse in Proverbs 21.9. It is better to dwell in a corner of the housetop than with a brawling woman in a white house. It's got a similar, uh, similar, uh, similar uh, teaching there, the brawling woman. And a brawling woman is, is someone who's quarreling, someone who's lacking control over their own spirit. In fact, the Bible tells us that, that, the, that the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophet. In fact, the Bible tells us that, that, that the person who's, um, who's not control of their spirit is like a, is like a, a broken down wall. And, and there's no protection, there's no guard there. And I'll give you some examples of, of someone who's not demonstrating shamefacedness and sobriety, this is a lady who can't hold her tongue and allows her emotions to be out of control. This is a lady who is covetous and boastful. She has to have the latest things. Uh, this, is a, this is a lady who just is not in control of her own passions and desires. And, and, and yet Paul is trying to teach here to the ladies there 
under, under Timothy's guidance, that they need to show shamefacedness and sobriety, a right attitude, a self-control. But then notice in verse 10 here, next thing. So, so suitability, uh, adorn themselves in modest apparel, not, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array, avoiding that, uh, that, uh, that excessiveness that was, uh, that was so known of the, uh, of the ladies in that day. And, and by the way, uh, that, that is, what, what, is, uh, what, is uh, what is being pushed upon um, ladies today. Just have, er, have that thing in every color. And, and you understand the, the multi-billion dollar industry that ladies' fashion is. You know what it is? It just, it's just excessiveness. And it's just excessiveness of the flesh. And, and we've got to be warned against that. But then also, sobriety and, and shamefacedness, it was t- speaking about their attitude. How's your self-control, ladies? Uh, when your, when, when your uh, emotions are hot, uh, are you under the control of the Spirit of God? Uh, when, when you're going about and, and you're, you're, uh, you're looking at your, your life and, and how, you, uh, how you portray yourself, is your attitude right toward those that are around you? Is your, are you under control in your desires for those things and for those uh, ambitions in your life? But then thirdly, for those ladies who are godly, he says this in verse 9, but which becometh women professing godliness, and he, and he says this, with good works. And the last thing about a pious woman, someone who is godly, is a, a lady who is in service. She knows how to serve. See, the priority for women is to be godly and do good works. You know, women were to be more known for their service than their apparel. Their character ultimately needed to be uh, to shine through in how they serve the body. Again, uh, the Apostle Paul was careful to speak uh, about ladies in the church who served in Philippians 4.3, and I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel. It was those women who labored in the gospel. Uh, he, he called them other my fellow laborers. In Romans 16.1, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Sincrea. I think about uh, Titus chapter 2. If you quickly turn there, Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. And here, uh, again, uh, uh, in this book, he he gives out some, some specific things about ladies, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. He starts with the aged men to be sober, grave, uh, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. Then he says, The aged women likewise that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Why? That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home. And, and all of this is really, it's a work. It's, it's tasks and it's, it's character. Notice the, the, the great chapter, Proverbs 31. Look at Proverbs 31. And, and you know, um, how many times, ladies, have you approached a, a, maybe a, a time of teaching, and it's always been Proverbs 31. But Proverbs 31 is, is a great chapter, and it, it really speaks about how hard this, this lady works. She, in verse 15, she riseth also while it is yet night, and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. 
Um, notice verse 17. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth uh, that her merchandise is good. Her, her candle goeth not out by now. That, that takes work. She layeth her hands to the spindle and her hands hold the distaff. You know what that is? She's a hard worker. She's, she's, she's known for her good works. She's known for how she serves her family and serves the body. And, and, and ladies, I'm just asking, you know, you might have all of these other things, but how's your service? Are you known for good works? When there's a need, when there's a task, do you get involved there? Do you go and, and get your hands dirty? Do you go ahead and, and try to be a blessing and a help by performing good works? To others, to those who are in need of serving, of service. And all of this, he's saying, is the character of a lady who's known in her, in her priorities to be pious, godly. And so what does this mean? Here's some examples. And again, as I wrote these, I wasn't, I wasn't at all thinking of anyone. But these are some of the stereotypical kind of attitudes. So, so again, a lady is, is to be suitable. A, a lady is to demonstrate self-control. And a godly lady is to serve. And, and by the way, before I move on, um, moms, teach your young ladies how to work. Teach them how to, how to serve. Teach them how to do it with a, with a heart of gratitude and, and, and a heart of of, of humility to the, uh, to the glory of God. Teach them how to work. You know, I, I just love, and, and, and by the way, I'm, I'm, you know, we're, we're talking about that, but we understand good works is given to all of us, even as men, okay? Men, we all not to be lazy and just watch. <laughs> but, but ladies, you ought to be known for your good works. And moms, listen, there's nothing wrong with teaching your young ladies how to do chores, how to serve, how to note when there's a need and to, to take, 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 a, take the time to meet that need. If, if there's things that need to be done around the house, there ought to be an expectation. I, I think the Bible's clear about that. But what does this all mean? Okay, here's Sister A. She does not wear pants. She only wears dresses. In fact, her dresses are long and loose. She, she does not wear a skirt and blouse because that would show something of her figure. She gossips, accuses, speaks evil of other Christians behind their back and is clamorous in the home. She serves, but only those tasks that are important, those good works that are highly desire, desirable. You know what? She has violated the above teaching on modesty. Sister 2, Sister B. Okay, she wears skirts and tops, but don't tuck in her tops into her skirt. Her skirts don't have slits or buttons. Whenever she gets the chance, she turns up her nose and condemns women who dye their hair for being vain, though in a few years she will dye her hair. She sees everything wrong with makeup, but nothing wrong with talking about people who do not share her convictions behind their backs. She is dressed modestly, and she is proud of it. She has violated the above teaching on modesty. Then Sister C. Her daughters are perfect specimens of feminine modesty. They once told the world that the vest sewn over blouse look 
was what God required. But the 80s ended and the style changed. And God doesn't require it of her anymore. For a while, God required no makeup. But mom got older and caught dad looking around. And so now God allows makeup if you're married. For a few years, God was against nail polish and necklaces. But the middle daughter had an outgoing personality and God decided these things were okay after all. Each time God changes his mind so that his sister, this sister can be more holy than the rest of the ladies at church and her daughter's reproof. She never apologizes for all the nasty, insulting things she said to and about those whose God doesn't change every couple of years. She just moves on to the next high horse and rides it roughshod over the congregation. She thinks the women in the church don't like her because she's more holy and convicts them of sin. She's actually just condemning. She has violated the above teaching of modesty. And, and so here's my point. You know, sometimes we can boil it down to that. You see, it's, a, it's possible for someone to dress right, cover their flesh, not be sensual in their movements and, con and conduct, and yet be as wicked as wicked can be. That's why God said more than just be modest. He added, be Christ-like. That's why the piety of, or, or godliness of ladies, that authentic Christian, Christian womanhood God, uh, that you ought to display, is given to, that, uh, to, to the ladies here, saying, let your character shine and let your life follow. You know, as, as, you, as you become Christ-like, all of those facets of your life ought to be pleasing and honoring to God, and that ought to be ladies that ought to be your greatest motive. And again, we, we, don't, we don't want to take the time tonight, and I will. I've been doing a great big study on clothing in the Bible. And we'll, we'll look at that in a bit. We won't take the time because we're in First Timothy. And we want to actually finish in this century, all right? But um, we're going we're gonna to get to that. And, and then next time, we're going to look at the parameters of women. And, and what God says are the, some of the limitations there and for what purpose, all right? But but ladies, okay, suitability, okay, show some self-control, and be known for your service. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you, dear God. Lord, just for the opportunity tonight, and, and Father, we, um, we are so glad uh, that, that, Lord, indeed, we have your, your word, uh, that, Father, you know, um, and you, you characterize for us, you don't leave us to, to make up our own and, and, and make for doctrine the commandments of men. But Lord, we look at and we, you give us your word to be able to guide us and help us and show us how we ought to be. And so I pray that, Lord, as we, as we decide tonight, Lord, to just be, Lord, to just be honoring to you, to just want to follow after you, that, Lord, we just would, would be guided by you in all, manner of, in all the manner of our life. That, Lord, we'd surrender that to you and ask that you would just be uh, pleasing, uh, that you might be pleased in all the things uh, throughout the week that we decide upon. Lord, we, we trust you and honor you tonight and ask that you would just, um, as we head into the week, that, Lord, we, we would live holy and separate lives for your glory. In Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name.